For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. My name is Lynn Schmidt, and welcome to the What Keeps You Up at Night podcast, the show where we discuss the big issues and worries facing America and the world, and then begin the conversations about how we can go about solving them. I am a columnist and editorial board member with the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. It is my pleasure to welcome today's guest, Harlan Cohen. Harlan is a New York Times bestselling author and journalist who has visited over 500 high schools and college campuses. He is the author of seven books including Win or Learn the Naked Truth About Turning Every Rejection into Your Ultimate Success, The Naked Roommate, and 107 Other Issues You Might Run Into in College. His titles have over 1 million copies in print. Harlan is a frequent guest on television and radio program. He hosts his own podcast, The Harlan Cohen Podcast, and has popular social media accounts with over 1 million followers, of which I am one. <laughs> so he is um, the creator of Best First Year, a college success and life coaching program for students and parents. So welcome to the podcast, Harlan Cohen. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thanks. So what's keeping you up at night? Well, doors, noises, teenager. <laughs> uh, that's that's a real problem. I have to listen to a babbling brook on my uh my headphones <laughs> this is all very real and sometimes if the headphones are next to my bed i'll i'll put them in my ears and other times we'll just let it i'll let the babbling brook flow so mm -hmm. that's that's been keeping me up and uh you know i'm obsessed with rejection anybody who knows me i'm obsessed with getting rejected overcoming rejection helping people to navigate rejection and uh so i i love that i don't love getting rejected i love teaching people how to be great at rejection so that keeps me up at night and my wife stays up too late too. So those are just a few <laughs> things. <laughs> well, we are recording this on Valentine's Day. So that might be a topic that some people will find comforting on on days like today. So absolutely. You know, this is this is one of my favorite days. Uh when I was writing my advice column, because I, I wrote a, a syndicated advice column for quite some time. February 7th through the 14th would be called Rejection Awareness Week. Oh. And and it's not about getting rejected. It's not about hating and, and being angry and upset. It's recognizing the risk that leads to love because so many of us sit on our feelings and we hold back saying what we really want to say because we're too afraid. So yeah. I would share these cool stories of all these people um, who how they met um the um was it the seattle times or the oregonian i can't remember there was i think it was the seattle times because I, I i would get rejected so much professionally syndicating my column i mean you know journalism oh, yeah. is, is brutal um but i had some this is when i was self-syndicated before king features and one of the editors you know they loved raw they were into raw and uh, we carried it over and, and there were these wonderful stories 
of just how people meet. And uh, they're very inspiring. I think we live in a time where people have so much access to so many opportunities to feel bad about themselves yeah. without having the tools to learn how to train, to use these different, the technology to, to use it in a healthy way. So yeah. it's even more relevant. Yeah. So not only do you, do you help advise people about rejection in relationships, but also high school students um, and college students with, with their, 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 maybe their top choice of, of college or university. And, um, and, and my guess is that there's probably more parents of high schoolers listening to this podcast than high school students. So um, I, I was hoping maybe we could talk a little bit about how parents can help their, their kids with, with possibly those rejections. Yeah, it's, it's really hard. I mean, it really overlaps and yeah. most of my adult life has been spent helping students to navigate the transition from high school to college and helping parents to be the best partners. Cause as a father of three and I have a senior this year, so I'm oh, living, I have yeah. a senior, a sophomore and a fifth grader. So this is your life too. It's happening. It's real. <laughs> I'm going through it all in yeah. real time with everyone else. And I, I think sometimes people don't recognize you know, rejection is as simple as we want to know. Like we want to know what's going to happen. And right. when we don't know, well, the world's not giving us something we want. So external, this this unknown is is connected to rejection because we want to know what's going to happen and we can't know. Um, so the way I define rejection is not everyone and everything is going to respond to me the way I always want. And just yeah. the universe, there's wanted changes that we anticipate. And then there's unwanted changes that we have to work through. And yeah. the whole college piece, it's such a, it's it's just, it's just a wonderful real life test of working through the unknown, understanding you have value, helping your, the people you love the most, hopefully, you know, the people you love your kids, yeah. helping them to frame a process where rejection is built in, you know, these yeah. highly rejective schools. Then there's the costs, you know, it's, it's expensive and oh, yeah. it wants to go somewhere and it's not going to be a financial fit. Then there's that rejection and pain because we want to want to give our kids everything that we hope sure. will equip them for life. But then there's all the internal rejection, you know, self-rejection and the judgment and, you know, am I enough? Am I doing enough? And, and then the relationship with, with partners and, all the dynamics and roommates and new relationships <laughs> and friends and social changes. And I've really broken it down into social, emotional, physical, financial, and academic. Those are the five big changes. And as a parent and a partner, caregiver, we're the ones who are really the first responders in many, yeah. in many cases. So how do we process that? And how do we help our kids process that? That's a big question. And yeah. Uh, so that's where I live. Yeah, I think especially as as a parent, I have a college freshman. You know, when we were going through the process, is is being honest and talking about that financial piece, and and that's sort of the piece where the 
your family situation can have the most impact, right? I mean, if you if you can't afford that, I mean, of course, students can take out loans and apply for financial aid and things like that. But sure. but you have to say out loud to your student, you know, we may not be able to pay for X university, and um, yeah, that can be a, that can be a hard conversation. It can be, but. I'm here to reassure students and parents that there are so many paths. I just spent yeah. two days at a community college in downstate Illinois, Illinois Central College. And I'm part of a program where we're recording students' stories for a first semester experience class that really helps oh, them kind of preview. And that school, I went to the culinary program. I saw the trade program. I saw the humanities program. I saw math teachers, accounting teachers. We interviewed all of these people. I saw a student who is hoping to transfer to the Ivies, another student who is there because he wants to go into a nursing program and it's a fraction of the cost. And I saw, and this kid knew the hack that if you go to a community college and, oh, this community college, they have an amazing speech team. There's all of these uh, student orgs that are that are amazing. So other student went to San Francisco to represent her group as part of a peer-to-peer -peer mentoring program and was among all these other students from these colleges and universities. But the point is that there are so many paths and we get so caught up in the brand names and yeah. the big schools. And I, you know, I have to tell you, I don't know the value, like another $40,000 a year, another $30,000 a year to go out of state or to go to a place where you have to finance that education. You know, the value of that, you yeah. know, I'm, I'm in your corner to help your student and, and to help a parent to recognize if you're in Missouri, you got great school. Most most states have great schools or they yeah. have agreements with other schools and the, your kids lives. The, the truth is the data from challenge success from Frank Bruni and where he goes, not who you are. Uh, there are so many research gathering centers that will show you with absolute certainty that it is not the school that is yeah. the biggest contributor to defining success. It's it's the student and what they do. And that's really where, where again, I really like to help parents and students to recognize this. Yeah. So I actually, um, in the last five years, made a career change. And um, I started when I realized I was a registered nurse. When I realized, well, I guess I still am. But when I realized I wanted a change... I attended classes at my local community college first before I applied to graduate school. Um, and that gave me the confidence that I could do it again. It's been a long time, you know, yeah. and um, and just helped me get in the mindset of, of studying. And um, it was a great experience. And I just graduated in December. So with oh, my that's master's. that's wonderful. With your master's. I mean, yeah. that's incredible. I love, it's like, I love those stories. <laughs> They're the best. And I met these other students who are non-traditional students who are going back in. I was at another community college. I was at St. Petersburg Community College in, in St. Pete, in St. Petersburg, Florida. And it was, again, it was like, you know, I, I leave these places and I am so moved. And here's the other thing that's the hack. And I know we don't have to spend our whole time talking about this, but, but it's <laughs> fascinating because if you look at the faculty and you look at the adjunct instructors, yeah. At most of these community colleges, the adjuncts are probably teaching at a university 
that people are like, oh, that university or that that's multiple times, double the cost, triple the cost. So it's what's what's wild when you look at the value. You have an instructor oh, yeah. who's got the same product teaching the same thing at a school a few miles away. And those people are paying a lot less for the same product. But down the street, they're paying so much more. And the question is, why? Like, what is the what is the value of that? At least when it comes to your gen eds and, you know, I, there's a lot of value yeah. in universities and college environments. But like just what you said, anyone who's listening who wants to experience something, to learn, to maybe make a pivot, a change. And that's the scary thing, you know, change yeah. and the unknown and rejection and believing in myself. There was there's one woman I can't remember which school she was at. And she's like, oh, is it St. Pete? She's like, it took me like 25 years to realize I was enough to even get here, to realize yeah. that I was worthy. It's like, you're all worthy. So yeah. I'm a huge fan and I love debunking a lot of these myths. And I love helping students and families to recognize the value and to use yeah. those first couple of years as a, as a chance to experiment, experience. If you really want something, you 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 yeah. can get it and there's lots of ways to get it. Yeah. I mean, I felt I thought the faculty at the community college yeah. they were just wonderful. And they, they all they wanted was for me to succeed and they were going to help me any way I could in applying to graduate school. I mean, it was just really just a good experience. Where did you go to graduate school? I I did online um with the University of Nebraska. It's great. I mean, like so, Yeah. yeah. And and that's the thing. We live in such a different time where you can get specialized skills and, and these advanced yeah. degrees, and you can do it in a way that aligns with your lifestyle, that costs a lot less money. I think just in terms of education, of it just being flipped upside down and, and people starting to question, why are we doing this? And what's the yeah. return on the investment? And what's the value? There, there are so many ways to have experiential learning uh, experiences. So experience twice. Yeah. As a writer, I hate using the same word <laughs> twice in a sentence. I did too. Yeah. Is it the worst? I'm like, there are so <laughs> many ways to have experiential learning experiences. <laughs> wow. That is wrong answer, Harlan. You are better than that. <laughs> anyway, yeah. but you get the point. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Well, I mean, again, I don't want to make this about me, but um, I have a an adult daughter with a disability who's home with us and... I mean, there was no way I could go on campus. So I, I'm just so happy I found a program that worked with me and for me. And um, I mean, I I learned a lot and I got my degree and it was totally worth it. Yeah, it's 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 so exciting and interesting. And I think dreaming is so scary. And I talk a lot about this in the Winter Learn book yeah. and on social media uh, about dreaming is 
because when we dream, we, we imagine getting something, living an experience, wanting something. And it's so frightening because when we dream, if we're, if we're getting used to getting hurt, if life has been so challenging and difficult for us when we dream and we don't get what we want, it's so unbelievably painful. And uh, we get so disappointed. So I think a lot of people have learned not to dream and not to go after what they want because it's safer to just wait for people to tell us what we should want or for opportunities mm -hmm. to find us. Do you hear from students who were rejected from their dream school and went somewhere else and, and realized that that was where they were meant to be? Do you hear from, from people? I do. And, and I, I love those conversations because those students, when they're at a school that isn't their dream school, when they're when they're disappointed and hurt, I, I tell them, first of all, you're amazing, you're incredible, and a school doesn't <laughs> determine your value or worth. Right. And where you are now gives you a chance to practice what it's like to be in college. And in fact, you might have more access to more opportunities than you recognize because at some of these schools that are so highly rejective, it's hard to get a, a research job. It's hard to be in a club or activity or organization. So I tell them, give yourself a year to just practice what it's like to be in college. And, but really like, don't be like, Oh, this sucks. And you know, I, I, I deserve better. No, just like live it, practice it and then see how it feels. And if in a year you want to transfer then leave and yeah. if you want to stay, stay. And these students, what happens is they recognize oh, this is pretty good. I'm so lucky I'm here. <laughs> and then what they get to do is if you're exceptional at a school where not everybody is the top of the class, it gives you a chance to shine a little brighter, to have yeah. more access to more opportunities. So if you want to go to graduate school, if you want to continue in some sort of program, you now are a big fish and have really differentiated who you are. And schools want to see students from lots of different backgrounds on their in their graduate programs. So it, it really is yeah. it was wonderful. There's some students who who are like, it sucks. I still hate it. It's no good. Fine. Right. But then I've got it wasn't all meant for you. It wasn't. Meant, but there's so many. Lynn, let me tell you, I cannot I cannot even tell you. I got a note from a parent. Can't I can't respond to all the notes. I get so many sure. messages from Instagram and Instagram, you know, 400 over 400,000 people. It's, it's been wild. And then TikTok over 600,000. And I, and I read all the messages. But this woman and I mentioned not because I'm trying to, like, boost myself up. I don't care about that. It's that access to information access to data like the data is so informing this this parent has a child who goes to princeton struggling getting into clubs and organizations because they like they're eating clubs university of michigan i had this yeah, other that sounds crazy to me oh <laughs> university of michigan this this parent shared their student applied to five different clubs um freshman sophomore year got rejected from all of them and this is what a lot of families don't understand when so you go, isn't it crazy? Right. You go to these schools and then you have to fill out an application. You have to interview. You have to jump through a lot of different hoops to oftentimes have access to the clubs and orgs. So if you're a student yeah. who doesn't get an invitation and doesn't have a plan, and this is another thing I do through my best first year coaching program, is I help students and parents to understand you need to have a transition plan. And a transition plan consists of at least one place where you are welcome and included simply because you exist. Yeah. You don't have to audition. You don't have to be invited. Your daughter, we were talking a little bit about her experience. 
has she found any places her first year in college where she could be welcome and included? She, she has, um, we're Catholic. Um, and so she knows that place is the Catholic student center, whether right. she wants to go there, you know, she did, she knows she doesn't have to participate, but, but she does know that it's a place for her if, and they will welcome her there. Yeah. Spiritual groups. You show up if you like free food and nice people. Yeah. <laughs> Tell students you don't have to be into God, just be into free food. That's it. Yeah. These people are welcoming. And that's why yeah. spiritual groups are so wonderful. Multicultural groups, programs for first-generation students. If the student's a little shy, maybe a little socially uncomfortable, jobs, I encourage them to get a job yeah. so you have somewhere to go, something to do. Um, you know, you yeah, some I think happens. doesn't the research show that um, kids who have who have at least a part-time job um, in college do better academically as well. I think yeah, I, I know the that. data. I have to look at that. I know the data on, and involvement, just uh, the overall yeah. umbrella of a student who's involved has a much higher likelihood of being successful. And, and it's because yeah. it, it puts you on campus. It, it gives you access to mentors. When a student's in a club or activity, there's typically a faculty advisor. And that is a different relationship that a student has. And that relationship could lead to a letter of recommendation, some sort yeah. of support, someone on campus who can be there to um, to help them along the way. So what, what other advice do you have about rejection? How to handle so, rejection, I should say. How to handle rejection? Well, Recognizing at first there is a law of nature, and this should be on the periodic table of elements. It's called the URT, the universal rejection truth. And the URT is this undeniable, irrefutable law that says not everyone and everything is going to respond to me the way I always want. This is a law of nature. My kids aren't going to respond to me the way I always want. My wife won't always <laughs> respond to me the way I always want. A school won't always accept me. A teacher's going to misunderstand me. Not everyone's going to want to buy my products or my books. The universal rejection truth is at the root of so much of the pain that we experience when we face rejection. And our brains process rejection the same way we process physical pain. So there's there's data, the, the physiological impact of rejection. It hurts. So understanding this law of nature is fundamental in opening our eyes up to rejection and not personalizing it as deeply. Because yeah. when we get rejected and we don't get the outcome we want, we have to say, is it me? Is yeah. it something? It must something? be me, right? right. Yeah. A lot of people, people in a state of self-rejection. It's me, it's I'm the problem. You know, and then you get to the point where, oh, why would anyone even want me? And imposter syndrome. And you know, it's normal to feel that, but you are enough. So when we don't get what we want, is it me? Is it someone or something else? Or is it the universal rejection truth? But without the universal rejection truth, Lynn, people get stuck in a fixed mindset. You know, Carol Dweck talks about growth mindset set yeah. and fixed mindset. A fixed mindset is one where when you don't get the outcome, either you're the problem or I'm the problem. And when we bounce back and forth, either you or me, you or me, you or me, I end up hating myself or I end up hating you or I end up just retreating. But when you have insight and knowledge into the universal rejection truth, you are required to ask the question, is it me? 
Is it someone or something else? Or is it the universal rejection truth, mm -hmm. which is the yet that they put on growth mindset? I haven't completed it yet uh, because I need to explore this. Sometimes we discover there's nothing we can do to change the outcome. Right. Sometimes we discover we can. Sometimes we discover it's time. Sometimes we discover there are people who have overcome these challenges who can roadmap the workarounds. But when you get to the root of it, this universal rejection truth is like the flux capacitor and back to the <laughs> future because it is the secret to giving ourselves permission to be flawed and imperfect or to be who we are with a recognition that's part of the human experience because the universal rejection truth exists. That makes a lot of sense. And hopefully I, I, that's comforting. <laughs> to you know, the, it, I think for a lot of, you know, I'll talk to um, people who have been in relationships where there's been loss, whether it's someone who passed, whether it's a divorce. And the universal rejection truth of being in a relationship is that sometimes you date someone who is flawed and imperfect. Sometimes you date someone who matures at a different level. Sometimes you date someone who isn't going to be a partner for the rest of your life or the universal rejection truth of, of, of when people we love pass. You know, we can't yeah. live forever. Life is a series of transitions. We're born, we leave, and in between we live and have these wonderful experiences. <laughs> but the loss, no one wants to lose someone. But recognizing sure. at the root this truth, it becomes this gateway to having to surrender to this to this reality of the world. Because if I fight it, it's just going to continue to cause me so much pain. And and that acceptance. Um, it doesn't have to be okay. We don't have to be in agreement with it. You don't have to forgive everyone and everything. But the reality is, as you live life, there are going to be different challenges. We don't always know. You know we don't. We don't get to choose where we're born, who our family yeah. is. You know, yeah. That's that's the world. I I'm a white male. I'm born into a culture where I have privilege because, and privilege is directly correlated to how much rejection you encounter, simply by yeah. existing. You know, so for me, it, there's 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 this privilege, and for someone who's born in a diff different color skin, different ethnicity, if I was in a different country and looked this way, the universal rejection truth is inherently unfair. Um, but the way to work through it is to acknowledge it and find people and places who have figured out how to work through it, who have figured out how to either change it or to circumvent it to get where they want to go. And it's like these are big big, big concepts. But at the core, if we circle back to Valentine's Day, well, why can't I talk to that person at work that gives me butterflies? <laughs> that person that yeah. person who I've seen, well, it's because I'm afraid they might not like me or yeah. they might like me and get to know me and realize that I'm not enough because maybe they're going to see me in my most vulnerable state and realize, ugh. So I need to know I'm enough and work to know I'm enough. So I'm not dependent on other people to say, yeah. So I know that anyone who gets to be in my life is incredibly lucky and will meet someone who's <laughs> flawed and imperfect and beautiful. Yeah. Um, I just interviewed uh, behavioral scientist Lydie Klotz about, he wrote a book called Subtract. And I said, you know, um, we can take away stuff in our life, right? Um, but but the the only thing really worth adding is people. You know, so yeah, and people who are light sources, you know, people yeah. who really add to our world in a in a really healthy way. And I think that yeah. that's 
sometimes when people are feeling like they're not enough at a deficit, it's those people in their life that sometimes um, add darkness and 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 they're they're so in need of validation or company that they yeah. settle for people who who aren't those light sources. But, but we can find light sources and the college going back to the college piece. It's like where do you find where do you find light sources? Where do you find the kindest people? You know, volunteer yeah. groups, service oriented groups, the forward facing students who are volunteering, uh, the people who are in executive positions, who are out and about. You know, yeah. there's 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 a running theme here. Yeah, absolutely. Go towards the light, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And at a time you said what keeps me up at night. We live in a world that I cannot believe exists right now. I cannot <laughs> believe this is my world. I really I I I was of course sending some notes with someone else and you know, for most of my life everything has been, you know, more more light than dark. I mean, there's been difficult situations, but I think sure. as as someone living in, in this country for the past you know, 50 years, it's been, there's been a lot of, you know, we've, we've had challenges, but I just feel like there's more darkness and more divisiveness than ever before. Yeah. And, um, that and, keeps and, me up at night too. It's, it's frightening. And, you know, I, I'm a true believer that light, light always wins, you know, like it, it always overpowers darkness. And I think that if enough people just shine their light bright, and can tolerate those who don't always share their same beliefs, but can embrace the universal rejection truth that even mm -hmm. though we don't agree on lots of things, we can still agree on some things and we can still create light. And I think that's a place where there's hope. Yeah. Well, I think that's a really good place to stop. Um, but unless there's something else you wanted to share before we wrap up. I just think we packed a lot in here and um, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm grateful to be a person who could be in anyone's corner, your corner, your family's corner mm -hmm. and listening. And I just invite people to find me on social media, uh, my coaching program, I'm, my best first year coaching program. I'm really passionate about that this year and being there to support families as they navigate change. And uh, let me know how I can help. Yeah. Hey, well, I, I mean, I'm so thrilled to be talking to you because um, it was when my daughter was a senior in high school. Um, we both found your account independently and um, we we always share. Did you see this one yet? Or, you know, um, your posts on Instagram. And um, it's been a it's been a good way for to open discussions for her and I. Yeah. Um, and I've learned things as parent as her parent. She's learned things as a student that I would never have thought to, you know, bring up with her. So, um, yeah, I encourage listeners to find you on social I, media. So I'm grateful good. for that. And that, that I've heard that before of parents will send the, the Instagram messages and, mm -hmm. and then the students will respond and they'll have conversation and it yeah. really open dialogue and, and, and it's a third party bringing it up. So it's not like you're, you're the problem. Um, I'm I'm the problem, but I do it I do it in a way where you know I'm, I'm pretty neutral. So so parents, you are neutral. That. I mean, um, yeah, it's 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 wonderful. So yeah, it's been. And it's are been, you mostly on Instagram? So Instagram's at Harlan Cohen, and then on TikTok, I've got a pre, a pretty huge following, and that's Help Me Harlan. And then I'm doing a podcast now too, where um, 
you know, I'm talking to these really wonderful experts and the, the the framework is who are the people in the places where you can find support and answers. Yeah. And my goal is to spotlight as many of those people who are, who are actively engaged in supporting families and students. So um, I want to be a great resource to be able to to be a conduit to to connect people to those those particular experts. So yeah, through social, through Instagram, through TikTok, through YouTube. So really, really a lot. And um, I'm just trying to be there where people can find me. Yeah. I'm just curious, when did you start your social media presence? Yeah. Well, after COVID, I, I stopped doing as much speaking because I couldn't speak. I, I yeah. really have been mostly speaking and I do, I still do tons of events, but um I really came to a moment where in time where I couldn't share this stuff that I'm really, I really think mm -hmm. helps. So it was, and the internet's really scary and social media is scary because you put stuff out there and people see you and they judge you yeah. and think things. And I really had to refocus even more so. And I do this when I speak, it's the message over me. It's really not about me. And if I have something that has value that can serve, you know, service above self, then being authentic to what my mission is, I really need to I need to do this. So I started doing it like two and a half years ago every day. Yeah, and um, as a rule, you know, two or three messages and I try to respond to people and, you know, constantly there's, there's this churn of regular events, but I'll do college tips. I'll do life tips. And, um, the, I think the life part, you know, as parents, we really need a, a firm foundation and, and a framework. So I love being able to, to be there as I go through my process, mm -hmm. as I go through life. So yeah. um, we can all go through it together. So, yeah. Yeah, that's great. Well, again, I really want to thank um, you, Harlan Cohen, for joining me today. I really enjoyed this conversation, and I hope other listeners have as well. Um, I also want to thank my producer, Gary Harrelson, for producing and editing the podcast. Um, please make sure you subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast platform so you won't miss an episode of What Keeps You Up at Night. Thanks again, Harlan. Thanks, Lynn. Appreciate it.